Bring it in. Read option week five of the NFL already. Uh, Unbelievable. Preview. It's crazy. I don't know how we got here. Apologies to everybody who listened last on uh, on Tuesday who had to listen to me talk for an hour by myself. Uh, no veto this week. Our man is grinding, but we do have Scotty. Um, and Scotty's going to be with me as we break down week five. We're going to do some college picks at the end. A uh, lot of good stuff. Scotty's boys coming off of a fantastic Monday Night Football win. Yes, sir. How about them Niners? The defense is just freaking violent, man. Like, I love it's watching nasty. Fred Warner play. Um, just an awesome team. And who is the Troy, the, the next Troy Palomalo who plays? Talanoa Hufanga. Yeah, that dude's that dude's the so Tongan Tiger. Yes, just sir. Like, just like I've had to teach you guys how to say DJ Uwe Ungalale. You're gonna have to help me out with that name when we get. And to you it. helped me with uh, with Tungavailoa. Thank you, Tung, Tungavailoa. Tua Tagavai. Everyone always said tag, but it's tongue. Something about Tua the tags. Um, <laughs> Tua tags. Uh, no, uh, Niners look fantastic on Monday night. There is something to it. Whenever they play the Rams, they do seem to come out with another level of energy that they don't typically come out with when it comes to um, pretty much any other team. Uh, and there's definitely a little bit of that McVay versus Shanahan, little brother, big brother dynamic. Uh, we saw the Rams do it in the NFC Championship game. But when you look at their record over the course of the time that they've both been in the NFC West, it does heavily skew the Niners, which is interesting because you look at like, the AFC North or the NFC East, and it's like any team can beat any team. It does seem like more often than not the way the NFC West is built, that it's just like this team has this team's number, this team has this team's number, and it all kind of evens out to you end up with roughly the same divisional records every single year. Right. Well, and the the danger is if you're a Niners fan, like, like what we saw last year, uh, is you dominate them in the regular season. That's great. Uh, you, you can – do anything you want against them. It seemed like in the regular season over the past two, three, four years. But when it the chips are down and uh, and Aaron Donald's on that defensive line, he's going to go out and make a play to uh, to put them in the Super Bowl instead of uh, instead of us on offense uh, or defense uh, making a, making a play to to put us in the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, I, I I just that defense when it's right. I mean, there was some play. I forget if it was a handoff or if it was a sack against Stafford. Um, oh, one of the seven sacks against Stafford? Which one? Uh, but it was me. one that Bosa had where he just got through the middle and he just grabbed. Again, I don't remember if it was a running back or if it was, or if it was Stafford. Just grabbed them by the shoulder pads and just like threw them down and did it so not like almost like you're walking in and there's like a like an empty cardboard box and you're just like <laughs> get this out of the way. It was just like <laughs> I just go away. I don't want to deal with it. And then he like sweat. He did it into like a swagger kind of like a Conor McGregor like little walk kind of vibe. It was just like holy shit, man! Like the yeah. confidence that you that the defense for San Francisco has going up against the Rams, and- like. I want to be that confident to, in every like every aspect of my life because I would be a millionaire by this point. A, if I, if a I thousand percent, a thousand percent, and credit to Demarco Murray who calls a different game every every week, and he's going to be head coach in the league soon. I, you can just about bank on that. Demarco, uh, Demarco Murray? Murray, the defensive coordinator for the Niners. Dem- but do you, want, do you want to try that again? Yeah, Demarco uh, Murray. I'm sorry. Wrong, wrong former Philadelphia <laughs> Eagle past their prime. 
<laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah, messed that one up. Uh. All right, re- retake. Control, alt, delete. <laughs> Who's the defensive coordinator for the, for the Niners there, Scotty? It is D'Amico Ryan. Oh, my God. I'm you almost sorry. did it again. I don't know. I almost had... Was Were they on the same again. team in Philly? D'Amico, uh, D'Amico Ryan's Ryan. and DeMarco Murray? Was, was that the same I, time? I, I think they might have been. I think they I overlapped think they might have been. In, the, in the Chip Kelly era. I remember Doesn't that was... Doesn't really excuse my... <laughs> that, was yeah. such a, that was such a great moment. Like, one of the best free agent signings I remember. I remember being in high school and the Eagles signed uh, DeMarco Murray from Dallas after he had just put up that, like, 1,800-yard rushing season in Dallas. And then... They ran a completely different running scheme than they used to in um, than they used to, and uh, in at least what they did in Dallas, the Chip Kelly running scheme was very different. Yeah, and it was not what made Demarco Murray Demarco Murray. Based. Yeah, and uh, it was a lot more yeah. like east west, find your whole plant, get uphill, as opposed to you know they were running you know strong North strong South. toss, yeah. they were running stretch plays, they were running under center handoffs from Tony Romo. When he went off, but D'Amico Ryan's was a good player in Philly. Philly fans love D'Amico. Yeah. He was there for a while, so, I mean, all probably right. three or four years. Anyway, yeah, it doesn't excuse it, but uh, anyway, to uh, D'Amico Ryan, sorry, I've got uh, Philly on the brain. We were talking about him earlier. Uh, I got D'Amico Ryan's gonna be a great head coach in the league someday, but uh, I mean, credit to him, like he draws up a different defensive scheme. Almost every play, it doesn't seem like, and every game is different. It's not like we're gonna run, we're gonna run four three, we're gonna run three four this week. Yeah, um, it's 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 every everything he throws, he has on the rolodex, he's gonna throw at you. It doesn't matter uh, uh, who you are, well, uh, and, 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 and I think that's what what makes this defense so strong, especially because we don't have a really strong secondary. Uh, so so a lot of that up front, and then that and the second level helps. Uh, well, helps the D line secondary look good. The D line helps. Yeah, that's what I mean. You have a great set. You have a great safety. But what makes that defense so good is you have D'Amico Ryan's as the defensive coordinator, a guy who was a star linebacker in the NFL for a long time, and he has essentially another defensive coordinator on the field in Fred Warner, who might just be, in my opinion, I think the most undervalued and underappreciated player. And what's right? crazy is every time they're on national TV. You hear everyone talk about how great Fred Warner is, right? How amazing of a player he is. But you never hear his name on TV. And yet when you're watching NFL Live or whatever, I mean, if they do a segment on the Niners, like he'll get brought up. But in the zeitgeist of football, right? Twitter and all the other like kind of avenues you talk about it. He's not someone who gets brought up enough, but he's probably the best not talked about player in the NFL because I think he's probably, I I think he's probably a top 15 player in the NFL. and, And that might seem like, high but honestly i don't think it is like the gap between him and the next best middle linebacker in the nfl is pretty freaking big you know like right now when you look at pff ratings it's like him number one and tj edwards in philly number two and tj edwards is yeah. out of his mind but edwards is out of his mind and i throw in the, the like, who's the 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 utah kid um devin lloyd i mean as, for, as lloyd, a rookie yeah. he's he's been phenomenal um but for the most part, like that position, and I've made this analogy before, like if you go back to early 2000s football, the two most important positions on the field and two, like the two most, you know, marketable positions other than quarterback were running back and middle linebacker, you know, your Brian Urlachers yeah. and your Ray Lewis's and these quarterbacks of the defense. 
And now they've become so much undervalued as analytics have taught us more and more. Where it's like actually the quarterback's obviously still the most important. And then it's your outside wide receivers, your offensive line. And on defense, it's your cornerbacks and your edge rushers that make the biggest difference as the game has has evolved over time. Um, but having that stud middle linebacker when teams have one, we saw Bobby Wagner do it in Seattle for so long. And well, it, in, it gains it. It's a complete game LA change. too this year. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like having okay. like that elite center, you know, like, you know, well, I, I guess yeah. it's a position that just doesn't get it talked about. But like when and, you have a Jason Kelsey on you, it literally elevates everyone else on your offensive line because of what he does pre-snap. Yeah. You don't have to tell this Penn Stater how important uh, middle linebackers are. Believe me, I know. Linebacker, you, a little Paul uh, Plasnesley uh, action. Uh, yeah. And, and, and the difference is in the evolution is, uh, but on top of that, like the fact that Fred Warner can play that old school middle linebacker position, the the Jack Hams of the world who, who came through Penn State, uh, if we can get old school, and um, and also be able to cover sideline to sideline on the field in pass coverage. Yeah, right. That's the evolution of the, of that position, and I think he's at the at one of the, one of the guys that is at the highest pinnacle of that. Uh, he is the guy who's at the highest pinnacle of that. I mean, well, Bobby, I, Bobby Wagner, Roquan this, Smith, too. Yeah, I mean, Ro- I would put Roquan in that conversation yeah. as well. Um, but I mean, that there's just it's so such a rarity to have most teams like that's one of the weaknesses, but you just kind of like, that's why Alex Singleton still plays for Denver, you know, like that's why some of these guys are still in the league, even though they've been exposed, you know, time after time. Um, but no, it's interesting that Niners defense is good. Getting a little bit concerned about the, the Rams Super Bowl hangover a little bit here. I mean, look, I'm trying not to take too much away from it because of the history between San Francisco and the Rams, but the offense doesn't look good. If you look at some of the more in-depth separation numbers for like Allen Robinson, he's there. There are individual clips that'll circulate around social media. That's like, see, look at Allen Robinson getting open on this play. But overall, that's a that's a trust thing, though. They're man. not great. That's a, that's a trust thing with Stafford, and I don't think Stafford's that. And we'll talk about this when we get into the Rams game this week. But I don't no. think Stafford's that great. I really no. don't. Well, I think Stafford's still really, really good. Good. Um, I'm not. I'm yeah. not putting. I mean, I. I still not putting think him at Kirk Cousins level. He's a little above that. But. I don't think. I still don't think he's fully healthy. Um, the running game for this team's been a problem. The offensive line is the biggest problem, though, for the LA Rams. Like it's this mismatch of random offensive linemen. You lose the anchor and Andrew Whitworth, who even at 40 yeah. was still just a steadfast like guy that you trust there. And then they've had injuries. And find me any team in the NFL. We're watching Tom Brady struggle offensively you know, with the offensive line that he's dealing with down in Tampa Bay. Like there are very, very, very few teams in the NFL that can withstand an offensive line. And as we talk about all the time, and I was explaining this to my girlfriend earlier today, she was asking me questions about football. You know, she was, I, I was, there was this great segment on NFL live and I encourage everybody to go out and, and look at it. Cause it's really, really interesting. Um, but about how a lot of the best offenses in the NFL are starting to trend backwards towards um, having the quarterback play under center and some of the advantages that it gives you. Um, you know, it's obviously we've evolved in taking these quarterback driven college offenses that you can spread them out. You can run read option off of it. You can run pistol or shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's all out of shotgun. But on, when you're keeping it under center, it forces the defense to wait. And you don't allow those defensive ends to pin their ear backs, their ears back. And just well, especially come after that you. second level too. Yeah. 
and it freezes safeties it freezes a lot of people and because of the you know the bootleg option off of it right or the play action thing off of it and when you keep them under center which brady's always done a ton of under center um the eagles are doing it and you know what team's doing it a ton this year is the detroit lions who have the number one offense in football so being under center it's it's funny how cyclical and mina kimes made that point but it's crazy how cyclical the nfl can be but that again only works if you have a really good offensive line and we always end up saying at the end of the year every single super bowl what wins you and loses Super Bowl? The winning team of every Super Bowl team has a good offensive line and a good defensive line. Happens every single year. And we always forget mm-hmm. that because we fall in love with the bells and whistles. We fall in love with the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and the skill position guys and the cornerbacks who make flashy plays. But we always tend to forget once we get towards the end of the season. Same thing in free agency. The teams that invest in the offensive line team like Philadelphia, who has the best position coach in football, and Jeff Stoutland, who just – I mean, you know, uh, I'm blanking on the uh, the left tackle who came in for Mylotta, but uh, never never played left tackle in the NFL before. It was his first time ever playing left tackle in the NFL and came in, and Josh Allen was giving him the business early on. Um, but I was so impressed that as the game uh, developed – you know, he looked so Jack Driscoll. Thank you, Jack Driscoll. Um, played tackle in college, played guard some as a fill-in guy, stepped in at left tackle because Andre Dillard's been on IR. And Josh Allen was giving him the business a little bit on the first drive. But as the game went on, he gave up uh, z- zero quarterback pressures after he gave up one sack on the very first drive, zero QB pressures the rest of the game. And that's the value that having a Jeff Stoutland does. So whether you're investing it through coaches or through players themselves, having security and depth at the offensive line is always going to be the biggest factor in your Super Bowl winning teams. It just always, always is. Um, and for the Rams, that is a huge problem right now. And Stafford's good, but he's got no time. They can't run the ball. And um, I do wonder, though, in hindsight, if sticking with um, Robert Woods, seeing how quickly he's come back, and I know he's not 100% yet, but he has looked decent, at least in Tennessee. I do wonder with just the familiarity and coming back and the chemistry with Cup um, if and McVeigh and stuff, if that might be a miss come the end of the season. Well, they mentioned, they mentioned that on the, they mentioned that on the on the Manning cast. They were talking about how how much they miss Van Jefferson and Robert Woods and, and the fact that they only have Allen Robinson and Tyler Higby as the outs. Like Tyler Higby's going to get his because you know that's a dump down most of the time for for Stafford and uh, Higby's big enough that that he can take on uh, a linebacker or a, a big safety who's trying to take him down. But for Robinson, it's and, and I love the guy. Believe me, I do. Uh, but it's a I think it's mostly a trust thing. It's it's clearly not a skill thing. We know how good he is as a receiver, but I think it's a trust thing for. Uh, for Stafford because and uh, between that and a play calling uh, scheme because a lot of the routes you'll see Robinson run are deep routes and mm-hmm. that's not his strength his strength is 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 mid to intermediate routes uh, where where he can go up and and get contested catches that's what he's made his bre- his money on in in the NFL and and they're not running those those are those are Cooper Cup plays uh, right and so and so I think given the trust issues that those balls are going to go to Cooper cup rather than Allen Robinson. So uh, a, a lot to be, to be ironed out. Uh, obviously it's only week four, right? So um, 
you know, they won the Super Bowl. They'll, they'll figure something out. Sean McVay is a good enough coach. I'll give him credit, even though uh, he's one of my rivals. But uh, but hey, man, when when you're a good team, uh, and, and I and I love the competition with with the Rams uh, because uh, none of them are are any fans of of football or any sports really in 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 that putrid town. But uh, I love I love the the back and forth, uh, and so you know they'll figure it out. I think in the long run, I think over time they will. Um, yeah. I, but I will say, I, I think a part of it, again, it goes back to the, some of those advanced numbers, the separation from Robinson hasn't been there mm-hmm. and it hasn't been there for the last two years. Um, yeah, but that's, you know, that's part we, of my point. He doesn't need it. Got, like, no, but he does like separation is the number one thing a wide receiver needs in the NFL. You can, t- and that's why, you know, the JJ Ortega white sides and these great jump ball receivers, unless your name is Mike Evans, like, you just you need to be able to get True. separation yeah. if if you're with how good the cornerbacks have gotten, you know you just uh, need that's it. Good point. Yeah. And I, and I do think too, like I think you're right. I do think there's part of that's trust, um, and I think over time that will help. But you know, people forget Allen Robinson's been in the league a while, man. This is what year number seven, year number eight for him. You know, he's not you know a young guy anymore. He's had injuries and he got buried away in Chicago for a few years, and people kind of forget how old he is. Um, but I've always loved Allen Robinson, and I've and I've always thought it was a shame Me that too. he got stuck in Jacksonville and then stuck in Chicago. But I do think there's a chance. Oh, imagine um, him in Jacksonville now. Oh, that would yeah, be fun. Right. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, but even last year, he was towards the bottom of the league and starting wide receivers in separation. So can't blame it all on Justin Fields and Matt Nagy from last year's performance. But um, a good amount of it probably falls on him. And this is now two years in a row that we've seen it. Uh, let's move forward to this week's games. Uh, starting on Thursday night, we have Colts Broncos. We have a pretty, a pretty good slate of games. Uh, ultimately, look, the NFL is going to deliver us some some great matchups. I, I'll just say though, on the surface, there's really not many games that get you excited. Um, the Sunday night game, Bengals Ravens should be good. I'm curious to see if the Raiders can keep can stay hot against the Chiefs. What the Chiefs look like after last week, I'm I'm holding my breath. Uh, Eagles Cardinals could be an interesting game depending on what we see from Kyler, but overwhelmingly like just surface level, it's a lot, it's a lot of bad teams playing good teams. And so we'll work through the list and we'll see where we, uh, where we kind of land on this Um, updating everybody on the standings after last week, Uh, college football, Scotty's on an absolute freaking tear this season. Yeah. Scotty's telling you super follow on Twitter, (laughs) 15, four and one. Yes, sir. We're going to make some money on college football this year, boys. Through five weeks of and girls football. and days. Follow um, me. Let's go. <laughs> Vito is still hanging at four and eight because we didn't get his college picks last week. And then I'm 14 and 13. So one above 500. Uh, not doing as hot in the NFL, though, Scotty. None of us are really doing great in the NFL. No, I, again, kind of, it's <laughs> been that way in fantasy. It's been that way in gambling. Last week was the first week that the, uh, that the people won and the sports books did not in the NFL. Uh, 32, 35, and two for Scotty. We had two pushes last week in the NFL. Um, Vito, 15, 33, and two. Vito needs a good week in a bad way. And I'm he's at, due. <laughs> I'm at 31, 36, and, and two. I was above 500 last week. So we're crawling our way back. Uh, and overall, that puts us, Scotty, you are eight games above 500, 47, 39, and three on the year. Vito is nineteen forty one and two on the year. Oh uh, my! And I'm forty long season. I'm forty five forty nine and three 
on this season. So uh, hanging in there again, week by week, three weeks in a row. Now I've gotten at least one game back from my bad week. So that's what we do here. We just slowly grind. We're in the positive on football and in, in NFL week by week for the last three weeks. So we're getting better. We're getting better. Uh, let's start with Thursday night Colts Broncos. I'm not excited for this game at all. Um, I know I would say like, there are so many other teams that I would be excited or I could at least find something. These are two just, I think bad teams. Um, I mean, Colts, we've, we've had a, we've had a couple of good Thursday night games in a row, right? We went chiefs, uh, chargers and then, uh, Bengals, Dolphins. Um, obviously, um, you talked exhaustively about <laughs> Tua, and I'm sure everybody else has talked about Tua in that game. But like, uh, but this Thursday night seems like a dud, especially with Jonathan Taylor out. Yeah, yeah. No, I. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a fun game um, on either side of it. I expect it to be definitely low scoring. Toying with making it my under pick of the week just because I don't think the Broncos mm. move the ball at all. The line's at 42. I feel like that's a pretty decent number. I hate rooting for the under, but ultimately that does seem to be a good uh, a good bet with some of these teams. Um, the Colts, I just – I don't know what to expect. I mean, the offensive line's bad. The defense hasn't looked great. Darius Leonard or Shaq Leonard, as we're supposed to call him now, hasn't looked great. Um, I have – I just – I don't like either of these teams. I don't. And I know everyone's blaming Nathaniel Hackett and a million other things for the Broncos, but no Javante Williams. He's done for the year. Um, I, yeah, I look like a genius for drafting, drafting Melvin Gordon jr. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's honestly, if you have, if you have him, if, as long as he doesn't fumble, um, for the third MG three, that's what it Den- is. <laughs> Denver's a three point favorite. The one thing I'll say is we did see this Colts team pull out a win, against Kansas city, which is more than we can say about anything that Denver's done. So I'm going to start off by just taking the points and, uh, and, and going Colts plus three here. Interesting. Uh, see, I, 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 the numbers I play are, are that Russell Wilson's good in prime time, uh, despite what we saw except in, for the um, Monday night game and except Monday for the, night the yeah. game against San Francisco. Right. <sighs> yeah. So except he's not been good in prime time. Games. <laughs> <laughs> he's not, he's not been good in Denver. Uh, but I think that changes. Uh, if Jonathan Taylor were in this game, I, I would I would wholeheartedly be on that team of like, hey, like Broncos are not good in prime time with Russell Wilson at, at, as their quarterback. But Jonathan Taylor's not. They're going to have to depend on Naeem Hines uh, as their lead back and and whoever else they're throwing in the backfield. I know Marlon Mack's not there because he's on the Niners anymore. Um, but uh, you know they're they're going to go with committee and uh, and I really don't think that like I think Jonathan Taylor was that big of a pillar in that offense or or is that big of a pillar in that offense that it makes a huge difference when he's not in uh, and, and so even for for Matt Ryan as experienced as he is at winning games like this uh, I I don't think going into Denver on on a Thursday night game is wh- when you've had two two real days to to figure out your offense without Jonathan Taylor uh, is, is a mean of success. So I'm going to take the Broncos in this one. All right. You and Vito on the Broncos. Vito's on Denver. No surprise I don't there. like my allies. <laughs> I'm taking the Colts. Uh, all right. Next up here, we have the Giants versus the Packers, our back-to-back London games. Packers Across the pond. Uh, Packers minus 
eight in this one. Um, I mean, after what we saw last week against New Orleans, I, I'll say this. Some of the people that I respect and follow around the league um, have been very high on, despite us not it not seeming like it's coming together. Like the Packers are number two in the NFL in explos- explosive plays through four weeks, which based off the offense we've seen doesn't really seem likely. Now, the Giants defense has played decent, but this is also really the first good team they've played this year, right? They played Tennessee. They played uh, Dallas. Uh, who uh, they play? La- they played Chicago last week. And who's, Chicago, the, yeah. who's the fourth team that I'm missing? Um, oh, man, I'm blanking on it. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the Giants have not played a ton of really stiff uh, Carolina, right? So this is really, in my opinion, the first test. Um, they lost to Dallas by seven points in Dallas um, on Monday night football. on Monday night yeah. to Cooper rush. I feel like green Bay's on the up and up here. And the one thing that travels even across the pond is being able to run the ball. We saw that the giants who have been decent, despite not being good over the last few years, they have been decent at run defense. They're not as good as they were in years past. Uh, and I think Rogers has started to find a little bit of chemistry here with some of the guys in that offense, Antonio Dobbs, uh, as well as, um, you know, Christian Watson, they've used in a bunch of different ways. There's no one in that giant secondary that scares me. And we don't know who's playing a quarterback for the Giants yet. Um, doesn't look well, like Danny yeah. Dimes is going to play. I mean, doesn't... Saquon had, uh, what, 10 snaps a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And, and it also <laughs> doesn't week. doesn't look like um, – I mean, they had 73 total yards of passing last week. Uh, and if Jake Fromm's in there, then I think that line's too low. So I'm taking Green Bay. Yeah, I'm with you, man. That line's way too low if Jake Fromm's in there. Look, as as – well as Saquon has played, uh, and we know how good he can be with a, at least a decent offensive line. I think that's that's one of the points to look at because the Green Bay defensive line is is a monstrous front, and and they're going to be getting after it, uh, and they're not going to let you pass the ball either with with their linebackers and secondary. So I think it's going to be really really tough for for the Giants to move the ball. Uh, even with Saquon, I think, you know, this is a this is another like twenty-five for seventy-nine, uh maybe a touchdown uh for Saquon in, in this game. And you're gonna have to lean on him uh all game long. This is the surprise best teams by record that the the London game has had uh in, in each of the any of the last like what 10, 12 years that we've been doing this. Uh, which is crazy, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're usually throwing our our crap over there, uh, which we are with the Giants. But uh, <laughs> you get the Packers, so uh, look, I, I think it's going to be tough sledding for for the Giants. I think you're right. This is their first real test, and and I think this is a uh, this is one of those games where Aaron Rodgers is like, eh, I could throw for 190, 210 yards, and 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 we'd still have a good game because Aaron Jones is going to rush for for 212 so yeah uh yeah i'm with you i'm on the packers all right uh next up pittsburgh at buffalo buffalo is a 14 point favorite the biggest line yeah, we've they seen are. so far this year <laughs> um vetoes on the bills and uh i'll let you uh you say your piece but i'll be honest here the obviously the cliche answer is like oh that's way too many points um 
But I've been impressed with what I've seen from the Steelers. And the Steelers are not a team that gets blown out very often, particularly. I forget what the stat was that I saw this week about Mike Tomlin and like double digit losses. But the percentage of games throughout his losses that have been by 10 points or more is really low. I want to say it was somewhere in that like eight to nine percent kind of a range. Um, And I know they're not the best team, but the Bills, the Bills haven't looked great. There was a little bit of a spark there. Kenny Pickett's going to get a full week to at least get starter reps. Um, And look, there's a really good chance that this is like a 25 point blowout. And I look like a complete idiot here because I don't think the Steelers are particularly good. I do think the Bills win the game, but they could blow them out and it could still be a 10 point game. Steelers go down and get a backdoor cover, right? Um, The Bills need a get right game. They haven't looked great since week two. This game is either going to be an absolute blowout or it's going to be closer than people think because the Bills are just kind of continuing to do this. Now, maybe they take the momentum from the comeback against Baltimore and they just throw it onto this and they look great. I mean, knowing Sean McDermott, he's going to be really pissed about the way that that team looked. Um, But Mike Tomlin coaches their teams to play close. So I'm going to maybe stupidly here take Pittsburgh to cover. You get 14 points, but I'm going to take the Steelers. I don't hate your rationale. I really don't. Uh, It's sound, Uh, which which makes me think that I should uh, join you on the on the Steelers front. But the thing is, like, at the end of the day, it's a rookie, and you're Mm -hmm. playing what's a really good defense uh, in in Buffalo. That I mean, they shut down the the MVP in Lamar Jackson for a quarter and a half to to end up getting their team the ball back and winning that game. Uh, last week in 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 Baltimore, um, I, I just like and and it's things like this that 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 make me lean Bills right. It's uh it's Kenny Pickett uh calling his team the underdogs in in, in uh, uh an attempt to rally his his team as being this uh this blue collar underdog mentality and Von Miller going like, dude, you're not underdogs. Come on, man. Like yeah. we're just we're just straight better than you and. and to me, Which, that's enough. I mean, that is the definition of an underdog, though. Yeah, but so. like, <laughs> they, but they're straight better than them. Like oh, nobody's yeah, no calling question. you underdogs, and and we're gonna beat you, and we're gonna beat the holy hell out of you. Uh, I think uh, I think Buffalo rolls into this game. You you called it last week. They needed a get right game. Tough to do against Baltimore. I think they do it against uh, Pittsburgh this week. All right, I do th- I do think that Pittsburgh's defense is better than Baltimore's, um, despite the fact that Baltimore played really well leading off and it's a home game i think coming home after being in miami and then being uh in baltimore in the rain and whatnot yeah but they need a little bills mafia love <laughs> i just i don't know i like i like a, a spunky kenny pickett man i think that can spark the life into a team um and they can overachieve for a week so i'm leaning towards that all right chargers minus two and a half at cleveland for this game this is i would say one of the other games on this list that i'm actually somewhat kind of intrigued about um because the Browns haven't looked bad all year, but I also think that going into the game against Atlanta, like I was so, I, we said on the pod last week, like I picked Atlanta to win the game, not just cover. I picked them to win the game and they did win the game. And and the chargers coming off the best, probably overall performance, but I am worried about uh, the offensive line. Do we know yet if miles Garrett is playing in this game? I do not off the top of my head. Let's get Zach Parker on it. Yeah, I'm I'm getting Zach Parker on it right now. I'm I'm curious. Um, 
He's uh, let's see. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu Koromo is questionable. Jadavion Clowney is questionable. Um, let's see what the full injury report here says. But either Great way, work as always, Zach, behind the scenes. I mean, shout yeah. out to Zach Parker. Um, see, uh, Miles Garrett ha- was participating in Wednesday's practice, had a solid shot to, or has a solid so- shot to play versus the Chargers in week five. Um, so if Miles Garrett's there, obviously no Rashawn Slater, that's going to hurt. Um, but it does seem like this Browns defense is pretty banged up as it is. So whether it's Awusu Koromoa, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, they're all banged up. Um, but I also think the secondary from Cleveland has been really disappointing this year. And obviously without those two guys last week, the, uh, the Falcons were able to run it down their throat. But the Chargers yep. were really good at getting Austin Eckler into space last week, using him in the passing game. And I think they're going to have to start adjusting to life without Rashawn Slater. Um, and just the fact that, look, Eckler's been able to run in between the tackles for a lot of points and a lot of moments in his his career. I don't think they're going to have much success with him doing that this year. So they're getting creative, finding him to get the ball in space. I like the Chargers a lot. Um, they played great against Kansas City, obviously had a letdown, but then played really, really good um, in the second half. But Houston kept that game way too close last week. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers um, because I think their defense will step up and play better against Cleveland. Um, but minus two and a half, field goal wins it right kind of a thing. I like that number for for the Chargers. So I'm going to take the Chargers. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and it's weird you say that about Eckler after the best rushing uh, performance he's had all year, two touchdowns and, and about 79 yards on the ground. Uh, but he's you're right. He's doing it with the uh, with the uh, uh, passing game as well. Uh, and, and I and I, that's one of the things I pointed out last week. If you're going to have success, especially with Justin Herbert banged up, like you need to to use Eckler more in the passing game. Also, upside, you're going to get Keenan Allen back this week, mm-hmm. right? So that's just another another person uh, player that that the already uh, underperforming Brown secondary has to key on. So. I think there's enough weapons on on the Chargers' side for them to to cover the two and a half. So I'm with you. All right, we are both on the Chargers, and uh, Vito is on the Browns, riding with his Cleveland boys. Um, all right, let's move on to Chicago and Minnesota. After a, a strong start to the year um, and being one of the underdog picks, the Vikings have looked a whole lot like the Vikings. Um, yeah, not, eight not, and eight, <clears throat> milk toast, vanilla, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins again putting up <laughs> numbers, but looking really bad in doing so. Uh, Dalvin Cook has a, has moments where he still looks really explosive, but I don't think the offensive line for the Vikings is that good. No. Um, no. It's worse actually, I think, than in past years with Dalvin. The good news is is that Justin Jefferson came alive last week. Uh, Adam Thielen had a couple of nice moments and got screwed over. I think the Vikings were by far the better team on that field against New Orleans, but I still don't love um, what I've seen overall just because I just don't think there's just something off with that team, but they're still going to find ways to kind of get lucky and win games. However, I don't think this is going to be one of those games. I think this is going to be one of those Minnesota games where Kirk Cousins looks sharp. Justin Jefferson has a big day. Adam Thielen scores a touchdown or two. Um and even though they've struggled against the run this year, they do still have Zedaria Smith. Uh, you know, they're, they're decent at the linebacker spot. And you don't really have to worry about the passing game of Chicago. So can you control Khalil Herbert? Yeah. Can you control Justin Fields from the big plays? With 
defeat, then I think they will. The only thing calling me from this is that it is a divisional game, right? And a seven-point spread in divisional games, it's it's <laughs> weird to vet, to uh, bet on that, but I'm going to take Minnesota here to cover the seven. Yeah, I'm with you. The one thing that Chicago is good at on offense is, is the run, and Minnesota has proven time and time again that that's, that's their strength on defense. Again, for the second straight year, like their secondary is still – uh, in the works, obviously, Lewis seen last week going out. Uh, he's out for the year after the the injury he had. That's a big blow to the secondary. So they're going to have to lean on their run defense again. Uh, and and uh, that's the the strength of the Bears offense. So uh, I think when those two meet, it's going to be a, a classic. Uh, honestly, it, I don't know the over-under. Uh, I didn't look at it before, but it, I, I would take the under. The other reason too is like this is prime Kirk Cousins time. One o'clock game, like he's gonna he's gonna show up at two thirty. He gets an extra touchdown uh, to Justin Jefferson or Thielen or Irv Smith early in the game. He's in prime territory to uh, to to make the cover with a with a late uh, touchdown at like two thirty and with uh, one minute left in the game or something like that. So I'm I'm all over it. Uh, the Vikings right now. <laughs> the over under is at forty four. Oh wow, that seems high. It does seem high. <laughs> my no, I won't make that my profit. I won't. I considered it briefly. <laughs> Consider but Vikings. But won't. Consider it, but won't pull the trigger. Vikings for me, Clive. All right. We're all we're all on the Vikings. Vito's also on the Vikings. Uh next up, Detroit at New England. New England's a three point favorite here, continuing with the trend that you know, Detroit always seems to hang around. Um, this New England defense is pretty damn good, man. I got to just be honest. Like, for the lack of talent that they have on there, they've played really, really, really good defense. However, Bailey Zappi is going to be your starting quarterback in this game. Um, I, I don't know if that's officially announced yet, but I don't think Mac Jones is coming back Ooh, from the high ankle yeah. sprain yet. Um, <laughs> Not going to be Hoyer. <laughs> no, definitely won't be Hoyer. Uh, Mac Jones, is list, he is he is uh, listed as questionable. Um, <clears throat> but I also think right now it's likely that we'll see DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown back, at least one of those two, which will help. Um, this is the number one offense in football, and they can do it running the ball and throwing the ball. I think they can run on pretty much anybody. They can throw the ball on pretty much anybody. I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just – I love this Detroit team too much. Um, but I love what the offense looks like when they have all the pieces there. And even still, they had that shootout against Seattle last week without Amon Ra and without DeAndre. And I think that means that they have something working on the offense right now for Detroit. So you're giving me three points. I don't think the New England offense looks good. I mean, maybe we have another Tom Brady moment, which I even said. Remember two weeks ago when Mac Jones got hurt, I was like, man, I really wish Bailey Zappi was going to be the starter for this game because – or this, I guess a week ago. Because it felt like it was going to be a Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe moment where Bailey Zappi comes in. Well, we end up seeing Bailey Zappi, and he looked decent, right? He looked okay. First rookie quarterback to throw a touchdown in 2022. But I am going to take Detroit. I think Detroit gets it right. And I think whatever that rookie quarterback coming in in the middle of the game because of injury, you know, kind of thing, I think that kind of falls off a little bit. So I like Detroit here. Um, right now the over-under in this game, too, is at 47.5, which seems oh, really high. The- Hit the over, but you got to remember too. Every single game for Detroit has hit the over by at yeah. least fifteen points this year, which is an insane statistic. And forty, oh, sorry, forty-five and a half. So, um, 
I don't know if I can do it with Bailey Zappi being the other quarterback no. and with how good New England's defense played, but I, there is a part of me that wants to take it, but I am going to take the Lions. I'm on Detroit. That's an excellent prop, too. Uh, and the only reason I'm not taking it is because of what I'm going to do uh, with this pick. Look, uh, Bailey Zappian, <laughs> the, the uh, what, seventh rounder, fourth rounder, seventh rounder from uh, from Western was- Kentucky. I think it was this is the round. yeah this is the quarterback that that is Bill Belichick's guy Mac Jones watch out your job is on the line Bailey Zappi is Bill Belichick's quarterback and guess what uh be, beyond that they can run the holy hell out of the ball with the two-headed monster they have with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson the Lions gave up a, a shitload of, of rushing yards to the Seahawks last week with Rashad Penny. Uh, I don't expect that to be any different. I expect the game plan for the Patriots to be run the ball, run the ball, run the ball until we have to throw the ball. Uh, and, and I think they're going to run all over the lines. Three points at home. I'm taking the Patriots. You know what? That's a really, that's a really good, good case for that. Um, I'm not going to change. I want to change. I'm not going to because I'm, I'm believing in Dan Campbell and the Lions. I think they're going to find. Look, a way to man, get it done. I, I love the Lions. I think I've bet them every year again or every game this uh, this season against the spread. Uh, but but, but I, I think I'm they've on only the covered once, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but you know, I, I like this line team. This line team's played too well for them to be one for them to be end up being one in four. You know, I I just and maybe that's yeah. just maybe that's just life as a Detroit Lions fan. Who knows. Uh, all right, next up, the Seattle Seahawks going up against the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. Five-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, this might sound crazy, but, yo, I'm kind of all in on the Don't Seattle Seahawks. I man. care about you. Don't I'm do not, that. I'm not saying it's like a legitimate <laughs> like contender. I just mean I just love this Seattle team. Geno Smith <laughs> – statistically has been so much the, better than Tom uh, than Russell hey, Wilson. He's got the best passer rating uh, according to PFF. <laughs> yeah. Um the other part of this too Kamara limited in practice. Jameis Winston didn't practice on Wednesday. Um and and this quote too from Dennis Allen was really uh noticeable at least where he said um they asked him about Jameis and he said we're just trying to get him healthy. That doesn't sound like a quote from your head coach that says that you're. I mean, he broke his back play. for God's sake. Absolutely, we're going to trust Andy Dalton. <laughs> Absolutely, um, Michael Thomas also didn't practice, um, and Andy Dalton didn't look bad. I, I really didn't think he looked bad, uh, but Jarvis Landry's banged up, right? So essentially, this offense—I mean, the amount of injuries—I mean, I mean, Trevor Penning's already on injured reserve, right? Um, not likely to return to play or to return to practice until November. Uh, there's not a lot to like. There's guys on the defense that are banged up. I I want selfishly as an Eagles fan, the worse the Saints do, the better because the Eagles own the Saints' first round pick. So if the season ended today, the Eagles would have the 32nd pick in the draft, and they would have a top five pick. I believe it's like the number four pick right now. So I think the Saints are a fraudulent team. Um, I think Jameis at least gives them a little bit of excitement here. And I think the defense, which I've been saying all year, is equally as fraudulent. I don't think this is the defense we've been used to seeing over the last couple of years. I think the the like coach in waiting with a head coach that retires where you elevate them, sometimes in college that works out pretty well. 
I don't think that's a that's a transition that works because you have a locker room full of guys that are used to Sean Payton, and then you're getting a completely different culture. But it's a guy that you kind of know. You know, it's like when it, it's almost like when you work in an office or you work somewhere, and someone who was the same position of you gets promoted, right? And then you kind of start talking, and they're your boss now, and you kind of talk to your boss like he was your coworker. And there's just a kind of a weird dynamic there. And I just, I don't, I don't like what I've seen from the Saints team. Somehow they scrapped together and almost came back and won that game behind Taysom Hill and Andy Dalton. Five and a half points is, or sorry, five points is way too much for New Orleans. I'm taking the Seahawks and I'm, and you know what? I'm going to mark it down. This is my prop bet of the week. It's not even a prop bet, but just my extra bet. I'm taking Seahawks money line in addition to them covering the spread. Oh, how about that? Uh, you're wrong. The the Saints, despite what their their quarterback situation is, Chris Olave is legit. Yeah, uh, no a, a legit He's number awesome. one wide receiver. That's that's enough to keep them afloat on offense. Uh, look, the running back situation sucks because they just lost Latavius Murray, uh, who they degraded somehow to the practice squad after. Uh, like almost what eight years of service in in uh, in New Orleans and and uh, to, uh, Denver picked him up, um, so they're they're rocking with uh, uh, Mark Ingram as the as the one back, uh, an old Mark Ingram, uh, and I say that as an old person, but uh, I think the Saints have enough enough on offense with with their youth uh, and the in the wide receiving core and and with Andy Dalton being able to be serviceable. And on defense, like the the one thing that the the Saints have been able to stop is the run. Somehow, uh, I would have pegged them for being a better team against the pass, but they're able to stop the run. Rashad Penny went off last week against the Lions. Uh, I think they're going to. Pete Carroll is stubborn enough to to try to uh, do that and pound the the ground game again. And I don't think it's going to work. And I think the Saints are going to uh, are going to take this one. All right, you and Vito both on the Saints. By the way, Vito also took Detroit and Minnesota. Uh, forgot to update that for the last. Oh week. Christ! <laughs> yeah, you and Vito. Well, I don't know. He took Detroit with me, and then we took Minnesota. But you know, you two are aligned there with New Orleans. Um, all right, here we go. Miami versus the New York Jets. Now the Jets are a three and a half point favorite, and I know that's a frisky line. <laughs> it's a crazy line. I mean, like I know it's Teddy Bridgewater, but pretty Teddy Bridgewater's not bad, man. And with those skill no. position guys, I I I know the Jets. I mean, the Jets came back to beat Pittsburgh last week by the skin of their teeth, and they arguably should have lost that game if Zach Wilson didn't play perfect in the second half. I don't think there's a shot in hell that the Jets are able to replicate that. I do think the Dolphins' defense is pretty good, uh, and I think the skill position guys for the Dolphins are way too good, even with Teddy Bridgewater. The offensive line's good. I'm with you. Three and a half. I mean, this is a rat line from a mile away. I And I don't know if Vegas sees something or knows something. We don't know, but you're going to give me three and a half, and you're going to give me the hook for the Dolphins as opposed to the Jets have to win by at least four. Uh, no, thank you. Give me Miami. Um, and, and I'm going to run with that one. I, I wouldn't be shocked because, he, uh, and here's the case against what we saw last week was, uh, Cincinnati, uh, on, on offense, the, the, the Dolphins defense double teamed, uh, Jamar chase 
shut him down. And even then, he he still had almost, uh, I think it was over 80 yards, uh, and let T. Higgins do whatever he wanted one-on-one outside. Um, so I think you see a little bit of the same thing with uh, with the the Jets receiving core. Uh, because you have Elijah Moore who can who is effective at route running and catching the ball. You have Garrett Wilson who's effective at route running and catching the ball. And Garrett Wilson's uh, leading the team in in routes run. Uh, and he had a really good game with Zach Wilson last week uh, in his first week at quarterback. So I, I can see where uh, the Dolphins' defense sort of overplays and, and lets one of those guys get hot. But again, like, I don't see three and a half at home, especially with Jason Sanders, who's one of the best kickers in the league, uh, who's able to keep it close. Teddy Two Gloves, man, I, that guy's good against the spread. He's twenty four and six in, also, in thirty career point. road games against the spread. So I'm on the Dolphins. Against, I forgot how good he was against the spread. He has that crazy yeah. record. Yeah, uh, Vito's on the Jets. Scotty and I on the Dolphins. All right, we got three more games here. Um, in uh, the one o'clock window before we take a quick break. We have the Atlanta Falcons at Tampa Bay. Originally, when we wrote down this line, we had it at eight and a half for Tampa Bay. That line has now moved to nine and a half for Tampa Bay. So we're going to play this one as a nine and a half point favorite for the Bucks. Hmm. Um, that seems like a really high line. Um, Tampa Bay also, Cole Beasley retires after a week and a half of being a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, he's like, no, nah, I'm out. Thank you. Tom Brady announced this week. Yeah, he's good riddance. Divorce lawyer for uh, Giselle and Tom Brady. So a divorce coming for Tommy. He's got a ton of shit on his mind. In addition to that being an almost 10 point line. And the Falcons are pretty good. The defense hasn't been great. And I get that. And they're likely to get Chris Godwin back and Julio Jones. And they're going to have more guys here. But you know what? I think I'm going to take the Falcons. I, I I know I said this on Tuesday's pod. I I almost irrationally love this 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 Falcons team. Um, no Cordero Patterson, which is obviously a huge setback, which is the yeah. one thing that's keeping me from going all in on the Falcons. But it's nine and a half points. I I mean the Falcons I, have played too many good games in a row, and they're kind of due for a letdown in Tampa Bay. You know, they've kind of been struggling. They've had two losses. Um, and obviously that one uh, last week was was not great for them. But, uh, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, what, what are the two losses? Was it Green Bay and, and Kansas City? Uh, Do I have that right? For Tampa? Yeah, yeah. For Tampa. The two losses, yeah. Green Bay and Kansas City. Um and the, it was a two-point game in, in Green Bay. They beat New Orleans by 10. They beat Dallas by 16. But they didn't look great in that New Orleans game in the first, uh, no, first they three didn't. quarters. And the offense still hasn't looked great. Um, I re- if, if Cordell Patterson was playing, I would take the Falcons and take the points. But I think Tom, I think Tom's pissed off. I'm um, so, oh, dude, that's, uh, that's exactly what my take was. And I think I'm going to take Tampa. Yeah, I'm with you, and I was with you the whole way. It was if if Cordero Patterson was in this game, I'm on the Falcons at nine and a half. That's ridiculous. If Cordero Cord- Patterson's but playing, but do you think I was gonna say? But do you think Cordero Patterson alone make moves that line? Because I don't know. If yes, it I does. D- yes, I do. Because Ta- Tyler Algier and uh, and 
uh oh god who's the 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 other backup uh god i just saw his name anyway i i don't think any of those the the remaining falcons running backs are as caleb effective huntley. and uh, caleb huntley thank you effective and lethal catching the ball out of the backfield uh as cordell patterson could be uh and and that's part of the threat that that allures him to big running games that he he finds uh and even against good defenses so um i think without him it's it's a big loss uh you could hand the ball off to tyler Algier 20 25 times uh on sunday and and i don't think he's over 100 yards against this defensive line well and i think uh, the offensive line for atlanta is, is a big problem in this game too so yep, 100% so i'm on i'm on the bucks with you man tom right. Br- angry tom brady uh, well, that's is, the thing, because and, and he I don't looked know if, different Sunday night. Even even coming back, everything uh, looked everything looked better on he Sunday. Looked, oh my god! You know, I wonder if I don't know, maybe a little bit of like, hey, you know what, this is happening, but fuck it, I'm blocked in on football. My lawyers will figure all this shit out, and I don't know. I have no idea what to expect out of Tom Brady. What I will say is, my preseason before Week One, I did say that if one team that was a prohibitive favorite fell off, I did say it would be Tampa Bay. Um, so if Atlanta were to find a way here, but yeah, Cordell Patterson on IR, he's going to miss at least four weeks. So that's, that's a bummer for this Falcons team because he was a big difference maker. Maybe they'll actually start throwing it to, uh, to Kyle Allen or Kyle Allen, Kyle Pitts. Now maybe we'll get, maybe, maybe. Kyle Pitts will find or Drake London. <laughs> yeah. I, Kyle Pitts was fifth on the team in targets through four weeks, which is just, that's why I don't understand. It. Like I don't he understand. has to be top two. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on here. Tennessee at Washington. This is one of those games that would be tough to pay me to watch this one. Tennessee's a minus one and a half point favorite. The commanders are bad, dude. They're just, they're bad. They are bad. And I think they're circling the drain. I think that, I think they're going to get worse and worse as time goes on. And no Jahan Dotson this week. So that eliminates one wide receiver threat. Well, probably, I think. It doesn't look like he's going to play. Carson looks worse than he's ever been. I mean, he looks skittish in the pocket. He looks like he's, to quote, you know, Sam Darnold, looks like he's seeing ghosts. Um, this is bad. And Ron Rivera, who we all love Ron Rivera. I know that that press conference or that zoom call, you know, went around on social media this week where he's dropping expletives and talking about, you know, we're going to fucking toughen up and be, you know, tougher and all this shit. None of that's going to matter. It's a one and a half point spread. So again, you're basically trying to pick who you think is going to win the game. Um, There's obviously a chance that a team wins by one, but more often look up the percentage of how many games end with a team winning by one over the course of an NFL season. It's like less than 1%. So uh, I'm going to take Tennessee to win this game because I think uh, I know, I know Derrick Henry hasn't looked as good as he has in years past, but the, oh, in that but. first half in, in Indianapolis, he looked really good. And I think this is a Derrick Henry remember me game. You know, yeah. like he's not as washed as people think. And Tannehill hasn't been bad this year. Look, the, the Titans are just a well-coached football team. I talked about this on Tuesday. They're going to be ugly at moments. Um, but don't be surprised if we sit there at the end of the season, we go, are the freaking Titans really about to win the AFC South again? Yeah. And I think there's a really good chance that happens. So I'm taking I'm with you. I'm with you. And it's not for the reason that you think you think Derrick Henry's going to run all over him. I, I'm not so sure. Uh, look, he looked really good last week running the ball, but uh, one of the strengths, if there was one of this uh, Washington defense uh, is, is that defensive line. What I have been impressed by over the first four weeks is Derrick Henry's ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. 
Uh, last week he had three catches for 33 yards. Um, and, and not all of them are dump pops either. They're, they're design routes. And when, if Derrick Henry is that good at running the ball and you're throwing this element in, forget about it, dude. Yeah. And, and I think he, he can be able to exploit some of that, that, that second level stuff, um, particularly against Washington's defense. And, uh, and I think he, he is the difference in the game, but not the way that you think. Uh, he might, I mean, he might end up having like 180 yards on the ground, but I think he's, he's well over 50 yards receiving as well, uh, this week. So I think he's the difference in the game too, but, uh, but in a different way than you, but I'm still on the Titans as well. All right. Last game of the one o'clock window, Texans at Jags. Jags are a seven point favorite here. And, uh, I know from watching Dougie P for, um, you know, five years as the head coach of the Eagles after a bad loss which blowing a 14-0 lead in the first half, in the first quarter, uh, is a bad loss. Uh, his teams tend to respond pretty well. I think this Houston team, despite being frisky early on, um, they're losing some of that energy. I'll give them credit, man. They fought, they fight all the way to the end, which is why a sneaky backdoor cover, which was the same rationale I had against them against the Chargers last week when they were five-and-a-half-point underdogs at, uh, at home was a sneaky backdoor cover, which damn near happened if it hadn't been for that yeah. last late touchdown <laughs> that made it from a three-point game to a 10-point game. I do think Houston is capable of that, but I think Jacksonville comes back here because I do think Jacksonville's a good team. Like I'll, I'll just be honest, like watching them, some of their skill position guys scared me last week. Trevor Lawrence scared me at moments last week, even though I know he ended up having a bad game. He fumbled game. four times. But like, if you watched that What did he scare you with? <laughs> if you watch that game, two of the fumbles – one was a muff snap. The other one just slipped out of his hands I mean, because the, of the weather. The weather sucked last week. <laughs> and the other ones I completely attribute to the Eagles defensive line being as as high-end as it is. I mean, Hassan Reddick, first, only the second time in the NFL history that a, a defensive player had two fumbles and two fumble recoveries in the same game. The other player was Jared Allen. Um, I think it was like wow. 2011 or something. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, but not something that happens in the NFL very often. Uh, I think Jacksonville bounces back here in a big way. The running game, they were able to move the ball better than I think people want to give them credit for. Obviously, everyone sees the four. Given the weather, too. Everyone yeah. sees the like, five turnovers. The interception to Bradbury was bad, but that's still like a young quarterback mistake, especially in a bad weather game when you're trying to make something yeah. happen to get back in a football game. And you're playing against one of the you know top, what, 20 cornerbacks in the NFL who happens to be you know the number two cornerback there in Philadelphia. So, uh, I like Jacksonville in this game. I think they win big. Uh, Houston's been in pretty much every game. They haven't been blown out yet this year. And I think this is the first time that they lose, or I guess last week they lost by 10. But I think that train continues. I think it's hard fought until the end. I think Jacksonville finds a way to separate. Yeah, I think Jacksonville, this is their spot to to vault into first place in the AFC South by themselves for the first time since, like, what, 2012? Shout out to uh, to the boat, Blake Bortles retiring, uh, legendary Jacksonville retire. Jaguar. Yeah, uh, but but I I think it's the Texans in this one. Uh, look, the Jaguars for for all the weather problems and and uh, and, and all the mistakes last week, their problem this year has been the run game, and uh, and when we saw that last week uh, with with not just Miles Sanders but with all three, uh, well, two of the three backs. Uh, for for Philadelphia, uh, and I think that continues this week. That theme continues. The Texans' game plan has got to be: let's give Damian Pierce the rock twenty times. Uh, let's give Rex Burkhead the ball out of out of the backfield in in the passing game, and, and let that work. 
because uh, when that works, that's that's the kryptonite for for this really good Jacksonville defense, the top scoring defense in the NFL so far. So um, I I think if you if you implement that, especially on the road, uh, and and sort of uh, stymie the crowd at least, uh, and, and you can control the game and control the ball a little bit, I I think the Texans have. Uh, the ability to do that and their ATS monsters. So I'm going to take the Texans in this one. All right. That wraps up our one o'clock windows. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll go through the four o'clock window. We have three games in the four o'clock window. Uh, or sorry, four games in the four o'clock window. And then Monday night football. Uh, sorry, three games in the four o'clock window, a Sunday night football game, and then Monday night football. The way ESPN has it spread out confused me. Uh, but we'll hit all that on the other side right after this quick break. Four o'clock window for the East Coast people, or the second window, depending on where you're at in this uh, in this beautiful country. Slide um, it open, baby. We have three games: Niners, Panthers, Cowboys, Rams, and Eagles, Cardinals. Bengals, Ravens on Sunday night, and Raiders, Chiefs on Monday night. We will start with Scotty's San Francisco 49ers, who are six and a half point favorites uh, on the road against Carolina. Um, yeah. Vito is on San Francisco. I have a feeling I know where you're going to go, and I'm yeah. going to join you both here. San Francisco, even on a short week, even coming up, you know, going up after a, a big win against a rival. This Panthers team's bad, man. And Baker is in for a long day. Uh, of course, there's always a chance, right? It's the NFL. McCaffrey can go off. One of those things, he might be a mismatch problem for, for San Francisco. But I just think Jimmy G has added a little bit. Like what we saw Monday night is what everyone was expecting we it's, would see week one with Jimmy G. But that was so quick that I think now he's got a couple weeks in practice. I feel like this team's going to start rolling. Debo looks awesome. Yeah. Kittle that to good. me, it's it, it's less to me about what Jimmy G's doing. And, and granted, he played really great, and I hope he continues to. But I think it's more about what Debo's doing, right? Because that move, that offense moves with Debo. Uh, whether it's it's the six catches for 115 out of the bat out of uh, that he got on Monday night, 100 100 of those yards were uh, after the catch. But the way you can utilize him too, man, six and a half seems way high. I'm not I'm not good on this on this Bengals team. I think they got a lot of problems. Just even on defense, if you're the Niners, let's CMC get his like go cover yeah go cover the receivers and, and make Baker make a play. And that, that's not going to happen against this defense. So I'm with the Niners too. This was the other one that I considered um, for an under here. I forget what the exact number Thir- is. 39. I 39. The, the, yeah. ban- or the, the Panthers, two of the Panthers, four touchdowns in the last two weeks have been defensive touchdowns by the same player. So the likelihood of that trend continuing is not particularly high. Uh, obviously if the, if the Niners put up a ton of points, then that would be the only other thing that could possibly, you know, ruin that. But, uh, I don't see the Panthers being able to move the ball much against this Niners defense, even in the ugly losses and the ugly couple wins that the Niners have, it's been low scoring. Um, so yeah, we're all of us are on San Francisco. Uh, I think that's, that's as good of a lock as you're going to get. You still have your prop bet of the week, by the way, Scotty, you got, I do. Yeah, we'll get there. All right. Uh, next up here. We have the Dallas Cowboys at the Los Angeles Rams and the uh, Cooper Rush dramatic 4-0 start as a starter as in his career ends uh, with this one. The Rams coming off of a bad loss 
I, there, there's no way that McVay doesn't have them coming out humming. There's no way that they don't come out with their hair on fire. Um, this Cowboys offense has looked better. Um, Dak's still not playing, as Jerry Jones confirmed earlier in the week. Um, I'd be surprised, but not totally surprised, if Dak comes back somewhat still banged up against the Eagles next week. But uh, this might still could be the last Cooper Rush game that we see. Um, the offense with CD and Michael Gallup coming back, and then Noah Brown, who is another wide receiver. They've and seen Dalton him Schultz, too. Well, Dalton Schultz has been bad this year, uh, which I told everybody, hey, stay away from Dalton Schultz. He's not that good. And he was, you know, a product of the environment that he was in last year. Turns out I was exactly right. Uh, offensive line still not great. Jason Peters playing left guard for the Dallas Cowboys, getting matched up against Aaron Donald. I love you, JP, but you're a cowboy now, and I wish you health. I wish. I also wish that you get your ass beat by Aaron Donald in every single snap this week. Um, I think the Rams demolish the Cowboys here. I think they cover the five and a half comfortably. <laughs> I wish you were right. Uh, and this is not – look, I want to preface this with, uh, with saying that this is not San Francisco Scott hating the L.A. Rams. All right, let me lay out the case. I don't know. The... It sounds like it already. <laughs> well, I can see why you would have said that based on my track record. But look, the the Rams' offensive line is atrocious against a great defensive line, and they're going to get a steady diet of of uh, Demarcus Lawrence and uh, and Micah Parsons. Uh, and we saw what what those two can do. Uh, against really effective offensive lines. And, and I think that they're going to absolutely get after uh, Matt Stafford uh, and demolish that offensive line. I think that keeps them in the game five and a half too, man. Like, look, the the defense to me for the Rams, uh, look, even a, against a bad offensive line, the Niners last week were banged up. They don't have Trent Williams. That's their best offensive lineman. And yet they were still able to be effective and double team Aaron Donald and and let Jimmy... Uh, get the ball out quick. I think that's the game plan for Cooper Rush. Get the ball out quick. Get it to CD Lamb on some slants and some short games, some West Coast offense, uh, and and let your guys go run after the catch. Uh, I mean, it's easy and, to say that though, but like Jimmy G is also the best in the NFL at getting the ball out fast. Sure, like, literally. Like, so it's just like I, I just don't think it's that easy to replicate because I do think Jimmy G is that good at it. No, I I agree with you, but you know, I mean, if you're asking. Cooper rush to do anything at quarterback. It's going to be that like, get the ball out. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like, it's Hey, hard take your for time young, in the pocket. It's hard for guys like that to see that though. I mean, even that, when he's played this true. year, he yeah. hasn't done very good, well at it, unless they're like designed running back, you know, screens or, or dumps out to the flat where he, like, he gets it immediately. I do like the rationale because I do, I do think you're right. The, the Rams defense, as we talked about in the top of the pod, is or the offensive line for the Rams is a problem. You're going up against a good Cowboys defense um, and Micah Parsons, but um, no, it's a it's a sound it's a good argument. It's a good argument. Yeah. So I'm on the Cowboys. All right, taking the points. Uh, um, Vito, uh, that that's a, a matchup, by the way. I don't want to care to pick. No, no. that's that's Rams one that's Cowboys. Gonna be, we're yeah. gonna be America is gonna be forced <laughs> to watch that one. The defending Super Bowl champs going up against the team that everyone in America hates. Uh, all right, last of the four o'clock window or the late window, we have the Eagles at Arizona. Uh, Vito's on the birds here. Birds are a five-point favorite on the road. Um, look, I think the Eagles are going to win this game. However, I think this is going to be a little bit of a scare. I think this is going to look similar to week one against Detroit, where we see the Lions kind of come back 
uh, late, and I think the Cardinals are come back late. It looks like some of the offensive stuff with Arizona has gotten better. The Eagles are a little bit banged up. Um, Darius Slay was a full participant in practice, which is huge. Uh, still unsure as to what we're going to see, whether Jordan Mailata plays, but the defensive line for Arizona doesn't scare me all that much. The one thing that does worry me about um, this matchup for the Eagles is that Jalen Hurts, his athleticism, it's not that it's going to be uh, muted in this game, obviously, but the one thing that they do a really, really good job of in Arizona, at least that they have skill, you know, in in um, their roster wise, is they have a lot of really athletic, fast linebackers, Isaiah Simmons, yeah. and Collins, guys who can fly around the field. And like I said, I think the Eagles win this game, but I think they get out to an early lead. And I think Kyler does a little bit of that late quarter Kyler magic and they make it a scare. But I think the Eagles make a couple stops late to kind of, you know, secure the win and do end up winning. But I'm going to take Arizona to cover the five points. Well, uh, the good offense that wow, look at you not betting the the Eagles this week. I'm proud of you, buddy. First time uh, all year I haven't taken them. Against yeah, the spread. I, I don't think I've not taken the Niners this year, but uh, <laughs> in any case, um I, I think the good offense from Arizona you're talking about is late game when they're down and they have to throw the ball and Marquise Brown is making plays. Uh, that's been the, at least the last two weeks that I've seen. Uh, other than that, it's Kyler running like a chicken with his head cut off. And, and against this defense, uh, I don't think he's going to have a, a whole lot of opportunity to throw the ball and it's going to be a lot of pull the ball down, run the ball, make a play Kyler because nobody's open uh, because that's just his MO as a quarterback. Uh, and on on offense for the Eagles, I think Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, one of the def- the 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 bonuses on defense for the Cardinals is that they they bat a lot of balls down at the line of scrimmage because quarterbacks take too much time in the pocket and trying to make decisions and and they're able to to get in front of the quarterback and get their hands up. Jalen's not that guy. Uh, right. And, and he's proven that he gets, this year. And, but he does get balls batted down, not as much as Kyler, but he get, it happens to him enough. That it's of note. And I don't think it's going to happen enough because this is a game where you go old school Jalen and be like one, two, done, pull the ball and run. Yeah. Uh, And I think think he's going to have a lot of success about that uh, with that this, this, uh, in this game. And then, you know, like when he has time, he's going to get AJ for, for chunk plays, like, or Devontae, honestly. So I'm on the, I'm on the Eagles. Five and a half. Dallas Goddard leading the league in yards after catch. I think it's yeah. I think it's like thirteen or something crazy like that. Um, it, it should be noted, Jake Elliott, the kicker for the Eagles, is going to miss this game. The Eagles signed Dicker, the kicker from Texas, on oh, the practice wow. squad. Um, but look, that could come into it, right? Especially when we're talking about spreads and missed field goal, missed extra point, something like that always comes into question, which tends to make you want to favor the team that uh, doesn't have or the team that's missing their kicker you tend to go kind of away from that when we're talking about spreads just because of the chance of it um good news for the eagles darius slay not on the injury report avante maddox um did not practice as of thursday which means he's probably out but they should still have avante and james bradbury um no one else in that wide receiver room other than marquise brown really scares you uh, and it'll also be the first time that Zach Ertz goes up against his old team, which um, as an Eagles fan, Aww. love him. Uh, Isaac Sayamalo, not sure. So the Eagles could be without two of their starting offensive linemen. But again, Jack, I think they'll be okay. Jack Driscoll and uh, uh, Sammy Opeta, both of those guys being in there. Again, Jeff Stoutland does it better than anybody else. Um, isn't it amazing? I remembered Opeta's name, but Jack Driscoll, I can remember. Yeah, yeah that's wild. 
Um, and I'll say this too, uh, Boston Scott missed last week. Trey Sermon came in and looked pretty good in the couple carries. Yeah, you're welcome. I would love to see a little bit more Trey Sermon. It's also ironic that he had his major injury last year, that nasty concussion against, against the, Eagles. the Eagles. Yeah, and, that's right. Uh, we were watching that game together. <laughs> we were. We were. Uh, that was not a fun day for me. Um, all right. Let's let's uh, let's move on here. So uh, Vito's, Where are you at? I'm, I'm taking Arizona. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this. Remember, first time this year, I'm not taking – I'm not taking the birds against That's the spread. Right, yeah. But again, I do think the Eagles will win. Do think the Eagles win. All right. Cincinnati at Baltimore Sunday night. Ravens are a three point favorite. I'm really excited for this game um, because both of these teams have huge question marks. Like, I have no idea which team I should expect. The Ravens being the home team getting the three points, I think makes sense. This feels like it should be a, a pick them type of game. Um, the, in, the secondary for Baltimore is banged up. That's going to be a really tough tough uh sell if you are the um uh if, if you are the a baltimore fan to try to justify being able to stop Ch- jamar chase and uh obviously um t higgins and tyler boyd and everyone they have there but the ravens did a pretty good job against stefan diggs but there's only one stefan diggs i think the fact that you have two really really good wide receivers in this group uh makes a difference joey b great in prime time uh, I think this is the first Sunday night game that we've seen from him other than the Super Bowl. So uh, I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals here. I think the mm. Bengals win. Um, and I think this is like the everyone can calm down because the pass rush for Baltimore just hasn't been what they've been in years past. I know Jason always had some nice days. Uh, and Odafa. I know, uh, oh, sorry, Odafa Oway. Uh, and I know that Calais Campbell uh, obviously is still there, but not quite the pass rush that we expected. Um, and I think Joe Burrow is going to be able to throw the ball question for me is how does the defense of Cincinnati hold up against arguably the MVP of the league so far, Lamar Jackson, but we saw what, you know, Buffalo did against them in the second half really slowed them down in the rain. Uh, I think if not that Lamar isn't as good of a runner as he's been in years past, but he's definitely not running it as much, which actually helps Cincinnati in this game. And he's a, he's a better thrower though. Uh, No question. No question. Which which is why I'm on the Ravens because like I think the fact that he could pick you apart two ways on that defense, uh, the Bengals defense has not excited me and and d- despite how the game ended in Miami uh, last Thursday night, you know Tyreek Hill still had over 150 yards. Yeah, right. Uh, and that that was with Teddy two gloves in most of the game. So like. I expect Rashad Bateman to have a really good day. Mark Andrews can be a, a threat because if there's one weakness in uh, this Miami defense, it's a linebacking core. Um, so I think, and J.K. Dobbins had a really good week last week too. Uh, granted, Miami's really good against the run, but Joe Mixon uh, was a, was able to get going. Uh, if they can get J.K. Dobbins going early, uh, I think it's going to be trouble for for the Cincinnati defense, and Joe Burrow is going to be playing from behind. Three points. I'm taking Justin Tucker over Evan McPherson all day, every day. So uh, give me the Ravens. No, I mean, they're both great kickers. But, yeah, I mean, if you're taking Justin Tucker over any kicker in the NFL, no question. The goat. Um, the right. coat. Yeah. Even uh, even uh, uh, who is the, Morton Anderson called him the goat. So that says a lot when Morton Anderson, wow. who's like yeah. the, the goat of kicking, calls you the goat. Uh, that says a lot. All right, last NFL game Monday night Raiders at. Chief. Oh, I sorry, oh, I missed sorry, it. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, my prop bet in that game. <laughs> I oh, apologize. What did, 
What do you yeah, have? Yeah, my my prop bet is the first half under on the the Ravens. I got to get you the number, but uh, but that's my prop bet of the week. All right, first half under for Scotty. We will see how that plays off. Prime time, that's a great bet. I think a first half under in pretty much any prime time game this year uh, is a good bet. Uh, last night, Monday night, Raiders at Chiefs. Chiefs minus seven at home in prime time. Uh, I'm going to sound really stupid saying this, but I'm going to take the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, my uh, God. Don't no, Come on. Derek Carr has a weird stretch of being good on Monday night and being good in weird spots. Uh, I, I don't know if they win the game, but this just this feels like it's going to be a close. It's either going to get it's either going to be a complete blowout or Kansas City wins. Um, I could also see a little late backdoor cover by the Raiders. This again, I understand this seems like a dumb pick, but I like I like Vegas. I like Vegas. Um, I think coming off of a win, Chiefs coming off of a huge blowout win on Sunday night. Um, and also again, the Chiefs we've seen not like you know, we've seen the Chiefs look human this year too. I do think, I mean, their offense is number one in football and DVOA, right? Like a lot of their stuff is is better without Tyreek Hill than it was before, but we've also seen them look human. Uh, Devontae Adams, prime time. I don't know. I, I again might be really, really dumb, but I like the Raiders to yeah. cover the to cover the seven, not to win the game necessarily, but to cover the seven. No, they're not. They're not even going to be close. Don't overthink this. This is the Chiefs all the way. I mean, so Patrick Mahomes is just hitting his stride. That that game at, on the road in prime time last week was proof enough for me. Uh, and he's seven zero and one in the last four years against the spread in prime time. So don't overthink this. This is this is the Chiefs. All right. Well, you know what? You're probably right, but I'm going with my gut here. My gut says to take Derek Carr because weird shit happens with Derek Carr on Monday Night Football. I, 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 that's a total like no analytics. Don't look at the numbers. Just go yeah. with your gut uh, pick, and I'll probably regret it, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh, all right, those are our picks for the NFL. Let's move on to college. We have five games here in college. Uh, not the best slate of college games we've had. Um, but of course we've said that multiple times this year and we still get upsets because that's what college football does. So starting off Florida state four and one at NC state four and one NC state now number 14 in the country, the Wolfpack are a three point favorite at home. What say you, Mr. Miller? Uh, give me the Wolves. uh, Wolfpack. Drew Leary is, is elite. And you know, he played a great game last week in the loss. And, uh, and I really think that Florida state is, is probably overrated. Uh, th- this to me seems like what what we saw last week was uh, what the the ACC championship is going to look like this year uh, between NC State and Clemson. Those are the, clearly the two best teams in the league. Wake Forest to close third, uh, I would re- reckon, but NC State is out for blood after after a tough loss last week on the road. So I'm going to take NC State at home here. All right, I I'm going to take the Seminoles. I'm riding with Florida State. I love Jordan. All right, Travis. Andrew. How you like that? <laughs> I'm riding with my guy Andrew. Um, I I really like Jordan Travis and the way he's played this year. NC State has not looked as good in, as they have in years past. They've had a couple of moments where you thought, like, what the hell is going on with this team? Um, and I really like the way Florida State's played. I mean, they fought hard against Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest was a, good, a really good offensive team. They're a much better offensive team than NC State. Uh, I think Jordan Travis gets the job done. I, I rode hard with the with the Wolfpack. Remember, they were my ACC pick going into the season. Uh, Devin not, Leary. I'm sorry. I said Drew Leary, I think. No, De- yeah, Devin Leary. Correction there. Um, Devin Leary's great. 
and I like that offense, but I also think Florida State can go toe-to-toe with them. You're getting the points. I like Florida State. I'm taking them to cover. Uh, All right, next up, we have the Red River Rivalry. I think I said that about as well as I've ever said it. Uh, Yeah, that's that's elite. (laughs) Texas is getting their starting quarterback back in Quinn Ewers, while Oklahoma is not likely to have Dylan Gabriel back. OU's defense got absolutely shredded by TCU last week. Uh, Longhorns minus nine and a half seems way, way too many points. Um, And also Brent Venables. I know Brent Venables. There's no way in the hell he's letting the, the, that Oklahoma team go back to back weeks, getting lit up, even with Quinn Ewers going three, three in a row. This, yeah. (laughs) But this team also like this rivalry, like is never, it's never a blowout. It's always crazy. Crazy shit happens. I'm taking the Sooners. Uh, and, uh, and, and I'm going to ride with them. Yeah. I'm I'd hammer the over in this game. I'm with you. I'm with the Sooners, man. There's no way that Brett Venables is going to let that defense cave against what has been a really mediocre offense for Texas, even with Quinn Ewers, uh, out there. Uh, you know, that helps, uh, obviously they were in the game against Alabama, but that was at home. This is a neutral site. So, uh, I, I think Oklahoma is, is going to cover that nine and a half. I don't know about the win. Outright, I don't want to pick a winner there, but I think the nine and a half is is well within reach for for the Sooners. All right, we got a top fifteen matchup here. Number eleven Utah going up against number fifteen UCLA at UCLA, which we've seen from the screen grabs on uh, Twitter, a really vicious home field environment there. <laughs> uh, uh, Utah minus three and a half on the road. Ever since that, you know, that tough game against Florida, people have kind of looked at Utah, or at least has they haven't been in the conversation nationally quite as much. This Utah team is good. Um, I know UCLA has, a, you know, they came out, they beat a good Washington team last week. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's a really, really good quarterback. Chip Kelly's team is humming. However, they have not played anybody other than Washington. And even and this Utah team is is I think a, a built differently and typically a home dog in college. I love taking home dogs in college, just like I like taking them in the NFL. But I just think this Utah team is a far better team, so I'm going to take the Utes. Uh, I agree with you. You're talking score, but UCLA's defense is surprised uh, more to me than uh, than Dorian Thompson Robinson has uh, or DRT Robinson Thompson has. Uh, so no, DTR, you had it right. Oh, I had it right the first time. How about that? I had it right the first time. Yeah, it pains me to do this to take an L.A. team, and it's probably going to bite me in the ass. This will be the one I get wrong in college this week. Uh, But I'm going to take the Bruins, the Big Ten team coming. Wow. (laughs) Big, Big Ten guy now. Yeah, How do you feel that your conference is being invaded by your least favorite place on Earth? (laughs) Yeah, well, don't get me started, Jeff. I mean, come on, please. L.A. (laughs) All right. Uh, Next up here, Tennessee, number eight in the country at LSU, number 25. Tennessee's a three-point favorite in Death Valley. This is a noon kickoff, so it's not quite going to be a night game at LSU, but we still know how Death Valley rolls. Uh, arguably the hardest place to play in college football, at least at mm. night, during the day. It's oh, at, for sure. at night. For sure at night, yeah. At night, I think it's the hardest place to play in college football, arguably to play any football game. Um, and here's the thing. I like Tennessee. I've been high on Tennessee this year, but – I've been a, a Jaden Daniels subscriber for a long time. Brian Kelly finds ways to win football games. I know LSU's looked like they've had a bit of a down year, but this is the week that LSU kind of spins it around. You're telling me that LSU's a home underdog in Death Valley? 
the amount of talent they have on that team. I get it. I, I love this Tennessee team and Hendon Hooker, and I really would love to see Tennessee undefeated when Alabama comes to town just to see how Rocky Top crumbles next week when the two of them square off. But I'm taking the Tigers. Go Tigers. Um, I don't know. I just I think they've looked pro- progressively better and better and better each week, and I like LSU to uh, to pull it off here. Yeah, and you know who's looked better and better each week is Hendon Hooker, one of my Heisman hopefuls. Uh, look, it's easy. This is one of those like those trap situations in college football where you look ahead. We got oh shit, we got Alabama rolling in next week to uh, to Neyland Stadium, but uh, uh, and, and and a tough game on the road too at at LSU. But like, I think Tennessee ends up taking care of business. Uh, in this one, if this was a night game, like I'm all over it. LSU, no doubt. Uh, a noon kickoff at LSU, I think that benefits Tennessee. I think Hendon Hooker is going to be able to spread the ball around uh, against what has been has looked like a, a relatively depleted uh, LSU defense. So um, I'm on the Vols this week. All right, and that leaves us with one more game. Did not think we would be having our premier pick game of the week being two teams from the Big 12 not named Oklahoma and Texas, and yet here we are. TCU, the Horned Frogs, seven-point favorites on the road in Lawrence, Kansas for the Jayhawks. I don't even think I need to explain this pick. I'm riding with Kansas. I want Kansas to win this game so fucking bad, plus you're giving them seven points. Three consecutive sellouts in Lawrence. Kansas is becoming a football state. And game day is there this week. And How about for the that? first time ever, college we, game day is there. We, game day we circled game twice before they ever went to Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah. How do we, you not pull for Kansas in this game? We we circled October 8th as the Texas A&M-Alabama game and on our calendars in the preseason. We didn't even pick and, it. And it's not even on our slate. This uh, Good for game day for going to, to uh, TCU in Kansas. Uh, in Lawrence, the top 25 Kansas for the first time in, what, like 12 years? Unbelievable. I'm with you, man. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Let's 100%. go. Now, of course, Let's go. Now, the first time game day came to JMU, and this has been a trend for a lot of teams, uh, JMU got their butts kicked by, by Villanova, which was a confusing day for me as a Villanova fan, but not in football. Uh, however, the second time they came there, JMU took care of business against Richmond. So I, uh, or maybe I had this backwards. No, it was Richmond the first time, and the second yeah, time it was Villanova. Yeah. <laughs> um, but either way, that first time when when game day is there, that you're especially the players, you get so hyped up so early, and then by the time the game comes around, do you have enough left in you? I love Lance Leipold. I've been for two years on this podcast. I've been gassing up Lance Leipold. How much I love that guy. I love Lance Leipold. I'm rocking with him. Uh, I like Sonny Dykes too, the head coach at TCU. That TCU yeah. team's good. The offense. Former Cal good. Bear. Yeah, he coached Jared Goff at Cal. But I'm rocking hardcore with Kansas. Uh, two of my favorite coaches. I mean, what Sonny Dykes did at, at SMU was was impressive as hell. Shout out to our boy Grant Cacatera play with for him. Um, but Kansas, Rock Chalk, Jayhawk all the way. So we're riding with Kansas on this podcast, no question. And uh, and that's gonna do it on the pod for today. Uh, thank you for everybody for listening. I hope everyone had a great week. I hope everybody uh, enjoyed today's pod, and hope you guys all have a wonderful weekend. I just, I don't know. I'm feeling very grateful, very happy in my life these days. Me too. It's a bye week for Penn State. So, uh, 
you know, James, I feel I feel free. James, <laughs> James you've got a bye week too. They're playing Arkansas State. <laughs> well, let's say let's not count any chickens here. Is JMU four and zero or five and zero? I believe they're five and zero. Are they five and zero? Man, yeah. what a, what an unbelievable program. Um, the Dukes got Arkansas State. Honestly, they beat Arkansas State, and then they have Marshall next week. If they beat Marshall, game. they got thirty nine votes in the AP poll this the, week. Uh, if they beat Marshall, for sure they're in. The Coastal game is the one I'm looking forward to. Well, and that one's going to be the last game of the season. Oh, baby. They, have, they also have <laughs> a Sunbelt barn burner. <laughs> they also have Louisville on the schedule, which I think this JMU team could definitely beat Louisville. Yeah, by the way, one of my worst takes ever yes. <laughs> on the podcast. I told you that in the moment. I told you what a terrible <laughs> pick that was. Uh, JMU's 4 0, uh, which is confusing to me, but. 4-0, yeah, because App State was the third game. Um, so Arkansas State, they're an 11.5-point favorite. We're rolling with the Dukes. Uh, but, yeah, they win the next two weeks. Actually, I think they play Georgia State after Arkansas State yeah. or Georgia Southern. It's one of the Georgia teams. So they'll have two more games in the Sun Belt before that Marshall game. If they were to you know, to win those next couple games, I think it's going to be hard. Yeah, they got, tech, they got Arkansas State, Georgia Southern, Marshall. Group of five, baby. Get on it. (laughs) And then Louisville. So uh, I love it. Dukes right now look fantastic. And uh, I think they're going to find a way, man. I think they're going to find a way. Roll Dukes. Let's see it happen. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday recapping the weekend. Have a great weekend. We love you all. And as always, take it easy, everybody.